What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Tuesday, March 3rd, 2020. My name is Gabriel, and I am here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. What's, uh, what's going on, man? Hello, Natalie Z. I can't believe it's March, but it is a good sign because it is officially Gabriel season. I'm oh. a proud Aries. So the second that calendar flips up from February, it's like, okay, this is my jam now. Dude, so, it feels so good. when we were at Pachanga, I guess that was in March? Yes. Okay, because I remember it was actually your birthday, right? I, that day. I, I worked on my birthday. I worked yeah. um, the fight night on my birthday. It, it, the work doesn't stop, even though I sometimes want to. No, but um, it's good. It's a lot of fun. Uh, dude, it's rolling along. Um, this Saturday was... Yeah, Ooh. this is a head-scratcher from Friday to Saturday, so let's get right into it. Um, obviously we're coming off UFC Norfolk in Virginia, the now non-title fight. So it was originally scheduled for the vacant Jesus. title, <clears throat> Joseph Benavides, Davison Figueredo. We talked about it. This is a lot closer fight on paper than I think a lot of people gave it credit for. The twist. Figueredo does not make weight. He was two and a half pounds, I want to say it was. So they pulled a situation. I want to say it was similar to um, Habib and Ayakinta was the last time it happened, mm-hmm. um, where essentially Benavidez was eligible to win the title, but Figueredo, even if he won, was not. Um, so really, this was all day Friday. It was a lot of talk about, man, Figueredo, biggest fight of his career, and this and that, and I know he's talked about, I want to say it was the nutritionist and all this other stuff, but the fact is, big opportunity, and, you know, obviously when we talk at the aftermath, it now is a very, you know, pick a bad uh, adjective for it. <laughs> it's now not so good for the flyweight division. But let's talk about the fight itself. Let's talk about the brass tacks. Um, for me, I was very impressed with how he handled the pressure of Benavidez. I think that Davison did a good job weathering the storm, just firing shots right down the pipe, obviously on the ground. He almost had the arm bar. I was just very impressed. You know, all the weight aside, tactically, he was very well prepared for a very, very elite level fighter in Joseph Benavidez. So I want to give that credit where it's due. Um, in the second round, you know, a lot more of the same. Benavidez, this was a close fight. Benavidez was swinging, Benavidez was connecting, he was getting some shots in, but Davison was just eating them well, he was taking it well, and he was firing back. I think that was the key, is that he was responding to all of these surges from Benavidez, and I do think that that preparation is exactly why he had the opening. The finish, obviously Benavidez is moving, there's a clash of heads that leads to the cut. Benavidez is clearly stunned, I mean... A lot of blood, but the fact is that perfect right hand from Figueredo connects right down the pipe. After that, Benavidez is just done. Um, the last few shots were a little more academic. I don't think that he was going to, you know, make a comeback, have a Tyson Fury moment after that one. So big win for Figueredo. I think tactically, you know, you can't really, you know, there's not too many marks to be made of his performance. He had a good fight and he won. What were your thoughts? Well, <clears throat> excuse me, for the outcome, to me, it was such a huge bummer for Benavidez, right? This was basically his coronation fight, and after the missed weight, to me, it seemed even more likely that Benavidez had this. It was all but 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 done. The deal was all but sealed, and I, you, you described it perfectly, and then it all went horribly just awry in an instant, right? <clears throat> excuse me. The near submission was crazy. The way Benavidez scrambled out of that was beautiful. Um, What impressed me about Figueredo was his confidence, his swagger, his posture. The entire fight, for as long as it lasted, he was almost a little bit upright. He, to me, he he stood. uh, His stance was saying to Benavidez, "I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of your power. I'm not afraid of your your tactics, tactics, your skill set." 
I have no issue. Uh, nothing you throw at me is gonna is gonna scare me. And uh, it w- I I would have been a little intimidated. I bet Benavides was not, but I was really surprised by how almost cocky Figueroa was in there. And then of course head clash, the punch. He was distracted by the blood. And he got punched and knocked down. And it was terrible. His post fight interview was heartbreaking. You know, you know they kind of stop doing those when someone gets knocked out. And interviewing them because, you know, it's not it's not really fair. But Bisping talked to him and he was honest. But it was just hard to watch because, like I said at the start, this was basically his belt. You know, he couldn't he couldn't get it done against Mighty Mouse two times. It's a vacant title. And then to make it make matters worse, the guy who beats you doesn't even get the belt because he missed weight. So it's just like right back at 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 zero, and his shot is is done. I don't know. Do you think that there's another opportunity for Benavides to get a crack at the belt? And how long do you think it would take, if so? You know, good <laughs> question. Um, I felt like for the sake of... At this point, and um, we're obviously going to discuss everything right now, is that um, I felt like uh, a Benavides rematch was as likely as any option for the UFC because... Technically, Henry Cejudo's been stripped, if I'm not mistaken. I know, I haven't checked the UFC page. I don't, you know, it's official, but I don't trust it as the source. I feel like it's a very, you know, uh, like what's that line in parts of the Caribbean? It's more like guidelines rather than actual rules. <laughs> well, those I'll rankings. tell you what, I just look now and they just have it blank. There's no name, okay. there's no face. It just mm-hmm. says uh, it's blank and then Davison, Davison Figueredo is number one. Right, so um, I know that they said that technically he was flyweight champion until the gloves started flying in um, on Saturday. I think that um, here's my thing about the Benavidez rematch is that you know uh, I feel like people okay the weight miss that's on Figueredo. Benavidez, quite bluntly, I feel like he initiated the exchange that caused the clash of heads. So when you talk about immediate rematch, that's my one hiccup to it. Now, I want to, that's saying the facts. The rest of it is, I really don't see what you kind of, where do you really go from there? Um, I put a poll out there. I asked some people. You want to know what surprised me? A lot of people, despite not just Jose Aldo, but Peter Yan, Aljamain Sterling, possibly Uriah Faber. But a lot of people were saying, you know what? I think it's got to be a um, uh, Henry Cejudo comes back to 125 to fight Figueredo. Yeah, and I think I, was, I voted that way too. I, I, that's why I brought it up. But, um, <laughs> no, uh, I know that they have um, the flyweight fight coming up on the 250 card also. So it's just really, I mean, I don't know. I don't really know where you could go from there. Uh, let me just... Uh, bring it up real quick I'd have to find it again but um, I know that they have I believe a 3 and 4 booked the fact is I think that a Benavidez Figueredo rematch just makes more sense on the sell factor I think that if you put Figueredo up against anybody who's not Benavidez or Cejudo people will feel less invested than they maybe even were for this one so I do think it's as likely as any is my final answer. As likely as any for Cejudo to come back? No, no for the Benavidez rematch to happen for Figueredo. Wow. Yeah, I mean, because of how it went down, like, I guess I, I guess I would, I would be excited to see it. Mostly, you know, just Benavidez was someone that, to me, I wasn't, you know, super into as a fighter you know he was he does he's he's been around forever he's an excellent fighter no question but i just was never um you know looking forward to every single one of his fights like some other fighters okay fine but now the way things shook out with the weight loss and the way he benavidez lost i'm very interested in in whatever his next fight's going to be so yes in your poll i would have wanted <laughs> just to be crazy have Cejudo come back down to fight figueredo but yeah, if Benavides gets the shot, it would make me happy. And um, who knows if it would go the same way or not. But at least it could be just a reset. I think the guy deserves it. <clears throat> yeah. uh, Brandon Moreno. 
I forgot. Uh, who's here for Mega Brandon Moreno? That one's happening on uh, March 14. That's okay. the one I was looking for. So, you know, Brandon's, you know, he's been up there too. Um, but yeah, when we're talking about, um, yeah, with Figueredo, with everything, it just seems as likely to me. It's just Figueredo, um, Brandon Moreno, Figueredo, a rematch with Formiga. Once again, this is kind of that Demetrius Johnson effect. Like, because he ran through it the way he did, because he was so just uh, business-like about it, he kind of made it so it was hard for the rest of the people to, you know, kind of build up their own brand. Because you feel Mighty Mouse is so far ahead of the competition, it kind of yeah. had that effect. People don't get invested in the quote-unquote smaller fish, you know, so to speak. And I think that that's where the struggle now comes in. Like I said, I think that you have the rematch with Benavidez. I think that gives you some closure. If you really want to do it, I think that you obviously can. I think that timeline-wise, I, I don't think Figueredo's about to try to make the weight cut in May for a rematch anytime soon. It's kind of like, why not? And, you know, the flyweight division, whatever will happen, will happen. I hate to say it so bluntly, but I don't think putting it on ice for another couple months is going to actually have a drastic effect at this point. No, I think we're fine. I think us uh, MMA fans will survive. There's plenty of other uh, fights to make in the other divisions. And, and yeah, 125 is uh, what just happened on Saturday is like the most interesting thing that's probably going to happen in that division for a while. Let me ask you, do you feel that Henry Cejudo is, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being, you know, Gabriel, be quiet, number 10, of course, how likely is Henry Cejudo to make it back to flyweight? Um, like 0% likely. <laughs> Even though I voted for that, I don't think he's going to do it. Why would he do it? I have a feeling that if he beats Jose Aldo, he'll retire or have one more fight and then just retire. Like, I don't really think he's long for this game. I so truly, uh, I yeah. truly feel that it depends on how successful he is at 135. Like, um, let, put it this way. He beats Aldo. <clears throat> you got a uh, Pewter Yawn. You got Al Jermaine. That's between breaks, recovery, training camps, the fights themselves. You're probably talking about a close to year and a half to two years from May of being busy and booked as a fighter if you're Henry Cejudo and you actually win all three. Now, let's say that, let's say he were hypothetically to lose and then just, you know, let's say he gets an immediate rematch, doesn't win that one. Now, suddenly, how much do you get amped up about Cejudo at 135? That is the only scenario I see where Henry would drop back down. Not impossible. By all accounts, I mean, look at the guys I mentioned. There are a lot of killers at Bantamweight still. Um, but unless Cejudo is really struggling, I just don't see him saying making the cut is a better option than trying to build my way back at Bantamweight. So as much as I know people might want to see it, you feel like he's kind of, you know the magic solution to all the problems. I just don't see it happening for his own brand and his own competitiveness. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm with you. It's, it's that cut is, I mean, they're, they're all smaller dudes, but that cut is, is something else. If you're someone that can easily fight at the weight class above. Um, before we move on, where do, let's say this, when do you think we'll see, Figueredo fight next, whether Benavidez or whether they decide to go another direction. Summer, probably mm -hmm. summer. Like Fourth yeah. of July, you think like second half. I I feel like uh, I'm trying to look at the pay per views. May is booked, you know, likely with Amanda and Henry. Uh, June, Perth. I feel like, I mean, that's not out of the question because Figueredo doesn't look like he took a lot of damage. But if it's Benavidez, I don't see him making that turnaround. I could see this another title fight in August. That's that's my estimation is when we'll see something happen. Wow, okay. That is a long ways away. Because um, I don't think they're going to put him on the 4th of July card. I feel like they got different plans for that. I mean, they could just throw him in there and... 
put it on, um, you know, ESPN, if they do it on ESPN, you know, the, the undercard. True. And attract some, uh, some attention there for having a championship fight on ESPN. But, yeah, I would say because of what that week usually is like, you know, he, that, that fight, the, the fight for that belt isn't probably going to be one of the, you know, the top three championships that they usually put on there. Um, but Hey man, you can have fun with it. Try to push, uh, try to push UFC fight pass or ESPN plus, uh, undercard, whatever they do. They can do something, but I don't know. August, uh, August seems far away, man. That seems far away. Uh, well, uh, I guess the alternative would be why doesn't, you know, I mean, Saturday was a perfect, uh, explanation why it doesn't have to necessarily be a pay-per-view they no just I have mean, a headline a uh, fight card that they i mean you know dublin june maybe i think that's not out of the question either we're you know we barely started march it's i mean maybe that'll happen but anyway yeah. speculation yeah. i'm sure i know benavidez just made his uh, statement i saw the one someone was saying that they in the Dana White said he's looking for a Figueredo Benavidez rematch. So obviously, um, they're going to get all the players together and they're going to figure out what's best and how to go forward. But yeah, I'm sure we'll hear about it by about May. I think that they'll make a decision and they'll book something. I mean, Dana White was pretty mad, right? He's pretty pissed at, at Figueredo because there they had set up this perfect scenario with the vacant belt and he just threw a wrench in all of their plans. So probably as, as punishment in some way, he's going to make him fight Benavides again. <laughs> I mean, stuff has happened. I mean, Amanda Nunes was never supposed to headline a card again. I think that certain people were never going to get title shots again. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. I forgot yeah. about the Nunes there, thing. There's redemption out yeah. there in the MMA world. The randomy was never, it was like she was on the... On, the, on parole. You know, the yeah, she was in the... <laughs> on the poop list for so long and then all of a sudden it's like oh she's amazing i think things could happen for figueredo i don't yeah, think that true. the door is shut he's not in the doghouse for good that's for sure here let's talk about some fun stuff we got megan anderson and felicia spencer both turned in really great fights um felicia really just throttled uh what was it zoila fiarn uh oh yeah uh is that her name? Yeah. It was like a weird something with a Z. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I keep messing that one up, but um, no. So she had that one, and then you had Megan Anderson with the knockout of Norma Dumont. Both of them first round finishes, which obviously now raises the question. All right, first off, who impressed you more? Just take all the title picture out of it. Who had the more fun fight? Jeez, uh, I guess fun because knockouts are more fun. I'll give it to Megan Anderson because it was kind of a, a sneaky knockout, especially for someone with arms that long. Uh, she really just quickly and in and close um, quarters brought that arm around and down into her, into Dumont's face. So I'll give her points for fun. And then, and then I'll leave it at that. I just felt like Megan Anderson had the more authoritative one. Um, Felicia Spencer with a Zara Fern. I just looked it up. For the spelling, but um, uh, I guess here's the thing about it. I've seen a lot of people, you know, they prefer Felicia over Megan. I, how do I put it? At the end of the day, I really just feel like it's still anybody's ball game. I know that, here's the thing, Megan's on the two-fight win streak. Had the, I think when you could get a stoppage the way she did, it's just more authoritative. Not that... um. Felicia didn't have a good one, but, you know, respectfully to just about everybody, they were both fighting competition that they were expected to shine against. I do think yes. that was partially the point. That's true. But uh, I know that Felicia, you know, if you're comparing in like some kind of tournament, you know, in points that she has the tie break because she beat Megan. I just think, though, that at the end of the day, I think Megan Anderson has just as good of a shot at Amanda as Felicia Spencer. And so I don't weigh into a lot of that. Should it be? Shouldn't it be? So um, I will say I think that the physicality of Megan is a big threat. I think that um, 
with Felicia Spencer, it's got to go to the ground. And I think that um, we've seen that's easier said than done against Amanda Nunes, plain and simple. Okay, this is interesting uh, because you asked, you know, which fight was more fun. So I gave it to Megan, but who do I actually want to have the title shot? I actually do want it to be Felicia Spencer, apart from her having beaten Megan. Um, I think mentally and physically, she's more well-rounded. You know, Megan came in with these high expectations, came into the UFC with high expectations. Her career in the octagon has been so-so. This is a great win, though. Um, and des- despite the the um, the loss that Felicia had uh, against Cyborg, I thought she looked great in that fight. She was aggressive. She was going forward. She cut Cyborg uh, open with like this sort of creative elbow, I think it was, that she did it with. And she kept throwing that. So to me, Felicia Spencer should get the nod to Nunez. I think she'll fare better. I think it'll be a better fight because, again, not only physically do I think she's more well-rounded. I know Megan has excellent stand-up, but I think Felicia has all of them in a, <clears throat> the whole you know ground and up and stand-up game. Um, overall, is better when you combine them compared to Megan's. Plus, plus mentally, psychologically, I think she's just more settled and and can handle the pressure of the big lights and the big moment better than Megan can. I think that for my money, when I think about, yeah, I guess my thing when I see Megan fighting Amanda, it's all about the wrestling and the grappling of Amanda Nunes. I think that, um, look, you know Megan's been working on it since those her first two UFC fights with, or sorry, first three with you know the losses to Holly Holm and obviously Felicia on the ground. Uh, I just still feel like it could be similar to the Jermaine Durandamy fight. Jermaine obviously knew the ground game was there. And, you know, Amanda showed why she's at a high level on the mat, too. I do see Felicia being more likely to be able to grapple with Amanda than I do Megan. And I think that that's probably why... Uh, on top of the fact that Felicia has the tie break, I think that's why she's going to get the nod. Is that it just makes for a slightly better fight... And I think that, um, I think if you ask Amanda Nunes, I think she feels like Felicia Spencer is the one she wants to take out. I think okay. that the ball is in her court. It's not necessarily who does UFC want. I think that Amanda is definitely calling her shot because they got to they're offering her two car, you know, the red pill, the blue pill, which one are you <laughs> going to pick? Yeah. I think that, um, Amanda just feels like Felicia's the fight she would want. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree with Amanda Nunes on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, watch she tweets us is like, excuse me, I was not thinking that at all, <laughs> and then I realize, oh my gosh, Amanda Nunes listens to our show. That's right, she <laughs> um, does. <laughs> no, I, I think that, um, yeah, I just think that's the only way. Um, I will say this: I'm more interested than what would happen with Megan Anderson because, I, I guess, put it this way. Let's say Amanda fights Felicia and wins. How long may it be until she defends the featherweight title again? Um, it could be a minute for Megan Anderson, and then you'd start, you know. Respectfully, you got to start talking about fairness to the division, but um, we know that it's been <sighs> slow. You know, it's a simmering pot. That's I mean, kind of obvious. Fairness to the division, but, like, the division is Megan and Felicia. Like, that's it. Amanda so, Nunes is still on their page. <laughs> yes, I mean, I mean, apart from Nunes, right? Like, yeah. the, like it's just there's three people, and everyone else is just, you know, fodder for the for the three people that are meant, you know, that you expect to be able to beat whoever, as you said, like the two people that were facing Megan and Felicia were expected to not win those fights, right? So. I don't know. That division is still funny, but you gotta you gotta do something with it because Amanda Nunes is is a good a good sized star. She's she's a big deal, you know. She's done a lot and she's charismatic. And Dana White now loves her, and so they're not gonna do anything to to like dim her star. And right now, if she's willing to defend both, then they're gonna let her do it. No, I, I completely agree with you. Um, I think that it's just a way to of the booking. Um, Amanda says she wants May. 
I really do think that um, they're going to make it happen. I think Felicia took no damage. I think that, um, you know, two-ish months you could hang out for a few weeks and then get back into camp if you're Felicia. I mean, why not? I think that that's, um, that's big, probably main or co-main to Henry versus Aldo. I think that'll be a good fight. What are, I think that's good timing. I mean, what about you? What's that? May? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what else? What else? What else is she going to be doing? <laughs> like, Felicia, what else are you up to? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fighting like this, that's... you know, fighting one of these many contenders in your division? <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, I get you. Just take it. <laughs> no, I just think it works. I think that Felicia didn't take too much damage, which is a big key to making that timing happen. No, she's, yeah, she's good to go. So yeah. let's, uh, let's do it. For sure. Um, before we move on to the other stuff going on, you had a very interesting fight happen. Oh boy. Uh, Magomed Ankalaev versus Jan Kutalaba. So as he's being introduced by Bruce Buffer, you know, Kutalaba gets in the face of Magomed and he just he just keeps walking. He doesn't, you know, flex on him. He doesn't do anything. He just kind of keeps coming at him. And I don't, I'll just say this very bluntly, I don't know if he expected Ankalaev to just stand his ground or what, or like meet him in the middle. But the fact is it leads to this awkward exchange where Kudalaba just kind of goes through him. Ankalaev just kind of walks backward with him and he never like brings up his fist like he's going to fight him. But the fact is this is just blatant. Uh, you, you just know it's against the rules, right? And then you have a weird fight, and you know, they're exchanging a bit. Ankalaev seems to be getting the better of the exchange early. And, you know, Jan is hit, but not out, and the ref calls it. What, you know, that the meme of uh, Nick Young with all the question marks? That's exactly what that was like. <laughs> so give Dude, me your thoughts. That was so weird. When he starts walking, I mean, I think everyone was thinking the same thing. Like, oh, okay, he's going to be aggressive. Ian Kutalaba, he's going to walk to the center of the octagon. Oh, keeps going, keeps going. Oh, he's getting really close now. Why isn't anyone getting in the way? The ref didn't do anything. None of the commissioners or whoever their, whatever their names are, whatever you call the folks that are in the ring that work for the commission, the inspectors, nobody does anything. They just let him walk up to, to Ankalev. And I, I guess it's because, as I did not expect him to get that close, Neither did they, but once he did the throat slashing and, and the other guy, you know, sort of turns him into the, like uses his own momentum, Kutalaba's momentum against him and turns him against the cage. I was like, oh my God, they're going to call this fight. Like it's over, you know? Yeah. As you said, breaking the rules and that's it. But everyone just kind of acted like nothing happened. The ref says fight and then they fight. So that was weird already to begin with. I think what happened though is that, um, uh, who's the ref? McDonald, right? I can't remember his first name. That he, um, I think he was probably put on edge by Kutsalaba's actions, and so he was a little bit, uh, you know, trigger happy. And from my perspective, watching it the first time, I thought Kutsalaba was hurt. He he fooled me. Uh, upon closer inspection, I do believe he was just playing possum. And because those kicks were being blocked, like I don't think any of them really landed. So he dug his own grave here. He got the ref on edge. He tried to be be sneaky, and he thought he was being a cool guy. It blew up in his face. I would say, you know, <laughs> lesson learned: don't play in the cage. It never works, right? It didn't work for Anderson Silva against Chris Weidman. It didn't work for um. I can't remember his first name. The Bellator fighter, some Gallagher, Gallagher, Gallagher who against yeah. Ricky Bendegas, Bendejas. That didn't. That blew up in his face, and it failed hard for Ian Kutalaba. So, jeepers, don't do that. Is <laughs> the, the moral of the story from my perspective? I mean, I know there was that crazy fight with like Heath Herring was fighting somebody in Pride, and the guy, um, his opponent kissed him, and Heath just hit him right there as they're facing off the ref is reading directions and the guy was knocked out and i think it was ruled like a no contest or a dq um like you know seconds before they're about to fight for real uh so wow. i mean I, youtube it it's crazy 
but certainly I think this is the weirdest confrontation in like the Fox ESPN era of things on the in terms of UFC at least. Yeah, so I do think that that was just an odd one because of the how much body contact they made. They didn't just you know get in each other's face. Their bodies were moved around yeah. each other. That's the point. Um, every time I watch the replay, I'm sorry, but Jan's eyes were way too clear the second the ref is getting in there. Um, the ref has a very hard job. I do agree with you. He was probably put a little on edge, like, hey, just suddenly you are hyper-attentive to the fight because of that, right? You know, suddenly it's like, you know, you're not going through your paces. Suddenly the entire routine has been a little thrown off and you know before the fight even starts you know you got to be focused in the action even before that now you've kind of you know been elevated right i have to imagine um so when you have that i, I agree with you i think the ref was a little you know hyper cautious in that fight but i just don't think kudalaba was out plain and simple yeah not even close to being out um and uh yeah it was a terrible stoppage but I don't blame the ref in this instance because, I mean, I think that Kudalaba made his own bid. He created a, a, a scene there. He, he, he changed the energy in the room, if you will, and everyone was, was on edge. And uh, that's what happens when you mess around in the cage. I also think when you talk about this stuff, you have to be very, very careful, especially when you're doing any kind of antics outside of, you know, competition. I think the one that I remember, I'll be honest, Kudalaba, I think, got a pass. Because I think, you know, un possibly another ref, that fight might get called. You get a point deducted, you get, you know, you play with fire. I think the biggest example was when um, Roy Nelson, I, th I can't remember who he fought, but I think it was um, John McCarthy was his ref. He was unhappy about it, and Roy just kind of gives him like a little... Not like an aggressive to win the fight, but he makes clear contact like a teep kick in John's backside. And the he was suspended like six to nine months. And I was like, yeah, look, like, I understand what you're saying. But at the end of the day, there's a precedent. The more people get away with, the more they're like, you know what? I'm going to get all the way in his face and hug him during the introductions or something. I just feel like that's too slippery of a slope. And, you know, like, like very bluntly, they're about to fight. Just, yeah. we don't need to mess with it. The, the work is done. Let's get to the, what we paid for and sat down for. It wasn't to have some pre-fight antic possibly ruin it. Plain and simple. Plain and simple, yep. Yeah, but um, quite the night. So, uh, I mean, there's just a lot of aftermath. More so than usual, I mean... What happens with Amanda? What happens with the flyweight division? I think it's just all, you know, we just have a lot going on for in terms of what comes next. So we have UFC 248 to get to, but there were a lot of big events. and Well, not big, but fight nights, but in some very interesting places. Uh, first one, May 16th, Fight Night San Diego. I want to say it's the first time in five years. The last time they had a fight night between Frank Mir and Todd Duffy. You had Tony Ferguson on the card. You had Holly Holm on the card. It was a lot of fun. The next one is on June 13th. And it's UFC Fight Night in Kazakhstan. Nur Sultan. If I'm pronouncing it wrong, I apologize for our friends in that part of the world. But, you know, breaking new ground, the UFC literally going everywhere, I'm down for it. Um, I know somebody said they're fighting on the card, but I figured we could have a lot of fun because they haven't announced main events, so we kind of just get to use our imagination. Natalie, first San Diego, who main events that card? All right, this is uh, all my picture kooky. So basically unrealistic, but I'm just going to go for it. Don't apologize. Fantasy. Just hit me with it. <laughs> Fantasy time. Conor McGregor versus Diego Sanchez. Ooh, <laughs> Didn't why? He? Why? Because of Diego. Well, first of all. Say no more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess just because Diego Sanchez and his tiny box. <laughs> um, the interview, I don't know if you listened to any of the interviews that, that now I know his name 
gosh, is, is pronounced Josh Fabia or Joshua Fabia. Did you yes. listen to any of those interviews that he did after this Diego fight? How could I miss it? <laughs> Excellent. Of course. <laughs> yeah, of course, right? I mean, I'll just say very interesting. I'll leave it at that. Um, but Conor McGregor tweeted something about, uh, you know, sort of understanding Diego's uh, game plan or fight strategy and, and being appreciative of it. And uh, I think that would be kind of hilarious. Not so much the fight, because I don't, I'm not trying to get Diego Sanchez beat up here. But the lead up to it could be very interesting. The, all the media interviews and the press conferences. I think we could see some cool stuff with Conor McGregor and Diego Sanchez. Maybe Conor would be very respectful and so it wouldn't get too out of hand. But I think, uh, I think with Diego, he sort of turned a, a different leaf these days. And, and uh, he talks in, maybe he always did, sort of like in riddles. <laughs> and I feel like it could be very interesting. But how the fight would go down? Well, I think Connor would just probably beat him pretty easily. So that that's my one pick. I have another one, but I'll uh, I'll I'll, say, I'll tag say, you in. Save for it yours. for Kazakhstan. Yeah. <laughs> um. You know what? Why not Stipe versus Tyson Fury? Oh. I think that let's. Okay. See. I don't think that um Tyson wants to. Well, maybe he would just uh, fill up a pay per view. But why not? You know. They agreed to just um, boxing with MMA gloves, and you know okay. we just okay. we just forget the rules and we decide we just want to see uh, you know some good television and that's the end of that. Yeah, boxing with MMA gloves. Yep, Ooh, I would be super into that actually. I'd be interested to see. Does Tyson feel like he just jumps over the top of the cage door rather than go through it? Ooh, I mean he's six seven. He Six, do it. I really feel he could do it. Or is, just to make a point. How tall is Stephen Stephen Struve? 6'11"? 6'11". He's I like mean, the I only he's like the only fighter I know taller than Fury. I would want to see that fight just because of the height, but I think Fury would still beat him. If we're talking your rules, which is boxing with MMA gloves. No. I mean not still. Fury would totally beat Stephen Struve. I think he would also beat Stipe. What do you think? Who, uh, Fury? Fury. Boxing, Fury boxing, in MMA, uh, boxing with MMA gloves? Oh my gosh, yes. Fury. Yeah, you know, I do think like... Fury still beats him. I think anything less, anything more than hands, Stipe wins. The second it's just hands, that's Fury's night. I don't care, you know, yeah. big gloves, little gloves. I think that man was made to throw hands in this life. Plain I think that, uh, yeah, I guess no question. It's not even worth... It's not even a question. It's like, duh. I want it to be because I want that to be my main event. Yeah. <laughs> let's say, let's make it interesting. Darren right. Till on the undercard too. He needs his Ooh. coach with him. All right. Uh, Kazakhstan, what's your main event? Okay. I'm going to do go Battle Royale, Amanda Nunes, Valentina Shevchenko, and Li Zhang, assuming she still has the belt or whoever that champion would be. Either one, if it's Yan Jacek or Wiley Zhang, I think that would be hilariously amazing. You just threw them all in there and said, go. <laughs> Let's see what happens. I feel like you didn't read the rules of the assignment, but okay. <laughs> go with that. You said uh, we could be you, as you know, wishful thinking. Uh, you know what? Yes, I did. I do have that written down. Yes, <laughs> you know what? My bad. Okay. Super duper wishful thinking, <laughs> I Something believe, that, is what it let says. Me, let me rephrase that. It's something I can imagine. You know, <laughs> or that's I just I don't have any idea how that even works. Well, you know, it would be like do do Nunez and Shevchenko team up on Whaley Zhang and then go after each other, or obviously Zhang, you know, team up with somebody, or does she just blitz both of them? I mean, you don't know. It could be. It's like a Royal Rumble. It just no holds barred, man. Oh my gosh. Um, Ronda Rousey, Gina Carano. Yeah. Just make it happen. That was you want a... them to go in the in the cage with these three too? No, I just want, <laughs> you know, I want it exclusively. Gotcha, okay. <laughs> and, uh, that, that's always my dream fight. Why couldn't we get it to happen? I always felt like it would be a lot of fun. Um, I actually think in today's uh, landscape, it would actually just be a very fun fight. I just feel like Ronda... Would feel like throwing hands with um, Gina, and I think that when you look at what the two of them are capable of, honestly, I think that it would be a very fun just scrap. 
with the two of them. I think so. I think. Uh, have you seen The Mandalorian? Oh, of course. I love Baby yeah, Yoda. Yeah, of course. Gina Carano. Yeah, Baby Yoda. She's like, like stacked. She's so like she's not like cut, but she's like just you know thick, and really like looks like she's in amazing shape. So I wonder what 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 they would weigh in at. I don't know. I feel like they could probably. I don't know how Rossi's walking around right now. It depends how much time they have. We might see it at 145 if Rossi's willing. I, I think it would be 145. I think that Gina, um, I, I mean, look, she's obviously put on uh, more muscle, more weight. And, and also, look, you know, she, she's gotten older. I mean, you look at anybody from start of the career to later. I want to say she was like, I can't remember how old she was when she was fighting, but I want to say it was like early, mid-20s. I mean, you know, uh, you, you change over time so but I do think that um she'd probably be a lot leaner and going into a fight at 145 and probably Ronda also I mean I think that um 145 would just be easier for the both of them do you think that Ronda would use any of her like WWE tricks like that the the jumping around uh you know drop kick moves that she learned there or would she just try to keep it like Legit MMA. I think that Ronda is as likely to use WWE moves as Gina is to walk out cradling a fake baby Yoda. <laughs> that's my uh, that's my estimation. <laughs> Dude, I when I see baby Yoda, like I was I was pregnant when I watched when I watched that oh, show. Mostly, I can only mostly imagine pregnant. That. I know. It was too much for me. Like it was, he was, he's so adorable. It was so much for me. It was too much to handle. Like I didn't know what to do with myself. That have they already put the merchandise out yet? Because as some things they do, you see them in stores. I've seen shirts. Yeah, um, I want the stuffed animal already. For Christ's sake, let's go. Well, I mean, look for Halloween. You the little stroller. You could put yeah. the little ears on Joe, and you we got, got a costume. Little... You know what? I didn't think of that, but you're right. He's going to be Baby Yoda for Halloween. <laughs> oh, you got to send me pictures there. <laughs> okay. Perfect. No, um, let me bring us back to Earth. Uh, Dustin Poirier did say he is fighting in May. Now, I saw his interview with Ariel Hawani. He said that Nate Diaz, you know, the, uh, like the Nate Diaz side per Dustin Poirier is cold. They're calling him and he's not even picking up the phone. That kind of cold. So that would have been my first pick. For May, um, who do you think Dustin could fight? I have an idea, but I don't think it'll happen. Uh, let's see. I feel like, who were we talking about last week that could fight Dan Dustin Poirier? Yeah, that's it. Dan Hooker. I just don't know. Two months from now-ish? Oh, five, yeah, no. No, no, no. no. You're right. Sorry, sorry. The timing's terrible. He's probably still going to be recovering from that fight with Felder. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I watched the interview with Helwani. He doesn't look that bad. That's the thing about <laughs> that. It's like, I know you were in a bad fight, but I still think you could do it. It's not good thinking. Um, you know what? I really don't know. There's Yeah, who do they give him? I mean, what is this? I don't, uh, here's the thing, it, I feel like they might be playing with us and talking Justin Gaethje, but I don't want that fight. I really feel like Gaethje, uh, I think it would be a disservice to Gaethje to fight Poirier again. I think if Gaethje loses, then by all means, match him up again, but I think that Gaethje has earned an upswing, and I almost feel like, yes, Poirier got the win over him, he probably wants it back, it just would be unfair. The thing is, it, you know, Gaethje does... If Connor wasn't in the picture, and I have to say if because he's in the picture, and look, man, he's he's freaking Connor McGregor. Mm -hmm. If he wasn't, Justin would get the title shot next. But now it's going to be if they make you know the Connor fight with Justin, it'll be the winner of that, I guess. But Gaethje is a completely different fighter now. Uh, you know, if he were to fight Dustin Poirier, I think it would be it would be a different fight. It would look. It would look very unique to how it did the first time around. He doesn't just stand there and let himself get beat up anymore. So I would actually be interested in that fight. Uh, I'm going to go ahead. My likely, my most likely scenario, and I know what it's going to sound like when I say it, Poirier takes a welterweight fight, um, Wonderboy Thompson. Wow. Really? 
I just can't think of any other domino working at 155. I really don't. Unless Dan Hooker really is okay and they make that happen, honestly. Dude, I don't think Dan Hooker should do it with that time, under those under that short turnaround. But Wonder Boy, huh? That's interesting. That's very. They're interesting. They're not going to do a Conor McGregor fight in San Diego. I I just mentioned how I feel about a Gaethje rematch. Kevin Lee is booked. I just got nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. I I mean, I'm not. I'm not turning my nose up at it. I would definitely tune in for that. I mean, who was wait? Who was your pick? Because I don't think you gave me one. Who I want Dustin to fight? I didn't give you one. No, oh, no well, I, said, I said I said Dan Hooker, but but for 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 San Diego, that that's too short. That's too quick of a turnaround. Even though he looks, even though you said he looks good. So jeepers, how about you could admit that you did that on purpose, so I wouldn't ask again. No, no. <laughs> Diego Fajeda, is that the guy who fought? Yes. Beat um, Pettis. Pettis. That's about, not. That's not a bad idea. I mean, he's ranked eleventh, but he looks pretty serious, man. I want to say he's not booked either. I don't know why Poirier would take that fight. That seems so risky. But I think, but here's the thing: he's out a minute, and he kind of needs to get on the rebound, right? Yeah. Oh wait, yeah. no, Ferreira. Um, uh, for the Alexander Hernandez. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. At least I want to say that was made official. But yeah, I mean, I... we'll find out. Poirier <laughs> fights somebody. I know that. Okay. Uh, I'll say this, though. Those are my two front runners 170 Wonder Boy or Hooker. Okay. That, um, the last Hooker, hey, look, we got this much money for you. Can you fight? And he'll either say yes or no. Yeah, I mean, Felder looked way worse than Hooker did ultimately in that fight. And if he's already looking on the men, then maybe he'll be okay. Not 100%, but maybe okay enough to, to give a good show. Well, I mean, look, it's two months from about a week, two weeks from now. I mean, yeah, I mean, even if he does like a month and a half camp, he's not out of shape. Who knows? All right. We'll let's re- let's uh, remember what we said here when when the, the announcement is made. That, good point. <laughs> All right. So um, before we get into the fights at UFC 248, I want us to take a slight detour. Sean O'Malley is fighting for the first time in two years. And for a while, I'm not going to lie, he almost became like the urban legend. <laughs> like, you know, he's out there doing his CBD thing and he's killing it on Fortnite. But I read one of the comments after his last, you know, um, uh, debacle. And people, you know, the picture now, they were like, you know, one day, like that, you know, really uh, reflect, you know, pensive expression. One day, Sean O'Malley will fight again. (laughs) And I'm not going to lie. When I read it, I was like, man, it's starting to feel that way for real. You know, I'm very interested because since he last fought, I feel like there's been so many people who want to take the torch of, like, the new kid on the block. I mean, for crying out loud, Chase Hooper, they got him on Fight Pass. Macy Barber's, like, the most obvious. Um, Edmund Shabazian at middleweight is another really young guy. But, you know, this is kind of set up to be Sean O'Malley's, you know, spot to be the new kid on the block who's taking the MMA world by storm. So I want to ask yeah. you, two years later, how are you feeling? What are we going to see from Sugar Sean in his return? I mean, I guess I'm just going to believe him and say that he's going to be better than he was before and that he was actually just working on his craft all this time. Yeah, You know, that's like the least we can hope for. If he comes out and he's like, a super a superstar super performer that would be pretty cool too because he's got the personality he's got like the cult following so he is he is packing all the ingredients that you need to 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 go next level but you know had the lights turned off a little bit because of his issue with the with USADA so remind me who is he fighting uh, Jose Quinones oh i don't think i know that guy yeah, I, yeah. I think there's they're, they're certainly queuing it up for him to have a great comeback, I think, with that one. 
Like, yeah, you know, I would... respectfully, he only has, I think, one or two official UFC fights that are not contender series. So, you know, they aren't trying to throw him into the deep end quickly. I mean, the, was his last fight the one where he, like, he was like, his foot was hurt and he, and the, the guy, his opponent would and like. And he ended up getting the decision at yeah, a. Yeah, because his opponent refused oh, to. sorry, out of pure luck, I'm sorry. Uh, the opponent just kept trying to take him down instead of like finishing him. Um, and then he did the interview like on the canvas. Yeah, with Joe Rogan. Yeah, with Joe Rogan, yeah. Welcome to the sugar show, everybody. Yeah, so he's got personality for days, right? I mean, um, that, I'm not going to lie, that was pretty funny. I mean, the, the the interview, I mean, obviously not getting yeah. hurt, but uh, that was definitely quite the sight. It was yeah. funny is that he was like in so much pain, but his foot wasn't even broken. It's so <laughs> it was weird, fine. It's a weird thing, you know. Yeah. I I gotta say this. I do believe uh, he had. How could he not? Right. I know that um, you feel like the guy might just be working on his stuff and the video games, but I really feel like. He knows what he's got, and I want to say, I can't remember what team he's with, but I feel like he's he's just had to have been working on everything. Plain and simple. It's just more time to learn more kickboxing, more wrestling, more jujitsu. Just go with it. Um, and, you know, like, just train and develop skills. Plain and simple. In the gym, you already have a UFC job. No pressure. Just do your thing. And he hasn't been hurt. It's just been other stuff. But it, physically, his body's been fine. Yeah, um, I don't know what gym he's with either, but the coach that he's walking around with in the Embedded is Tim Welch, I believe. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, well, yeah, we shall see. But um, the UFC is probably really hoping that he gets a, a star turn here. Uh, I will say this. When you think about the fact that Macy Barber is now MIA for a couple months, I feel like this... There's maybe a little more on this than there was before for UFC. Because, you know, everyone likes to have the next big thing, right? That's, you know, that's all sports, not just MMA and combat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about some title fights. Weili okay. Zhang. Okay, Zhang Weili. I've officially I decided I'm going to only say it this way. No matter okay. how many times it's been. I feel like I've not seen anybody say it the other way. And I guess it threw me off because I didn't understand the background on why you don't do it so miss zhang wei li the strawweight champion taking on the former queen of the division joanna yo and jaychik um you know i'm gonna toss it to you how do you think the ladies fight plays out this is tough man because wei li zhang is super aggressive she's fast extremely fast hands but when you talk about Yen Jacek, it's just like she can just go for days. And she has every one of her champion fight, championship fights except the first one with Nama Yunus has gone the distance. Most of her fights go the distance, frankly. I don't know when is the last time she even had a three-round fight because she also headlines a lot. Yep. So she's got the reps to go five rounds. She's got the reps to stay on the outside. She has also fast hands. She has intelligence she has experience and she's so hungry to get her belt back what what she doesn't have is is knockout power i think she actually does have some knockouts on her resume on her you know her record mm -hmm. but has she ever knocked anybody out in the ufc i don't i don't think so correct think me if i'm wrong early. um it, yeah i don't think I think only she stopped Jessica Panay. I think that was it. I mean, she yeah, she stopped Panay. She stopped. I think Esparza. That that fight got t it was you know TKO. I guess got yeah. called as well. But like a cold knockout. I mean, okay, it doesn't happen that much in women's MMA. But uh, she she doesn't really hurt anybody with a single punch or a single kick. Even mm -hmm. she's complete. Just just high output. You know, high volume. That's her game. She's had a tough road since losing her belt. She's super motivated. She looked great against Michelle Watterson. But Michelle Watterson, you know, only offered a real challenge in spurts. She had that a couple of takedown attempts, a couple of choke attempts. But mostly, despite having, you know, really good stand-up, she kind of froze in front of Yen Jacek. And so was just kind of standing there and made it really easy for Yen Jacek to just pick her apart. Weili Zhang's not going to stand there. Weili Zhang has power. She's a little bit shorter, though, so there's that reach advantage that Yan Jacek has. And uh, what I really want to know is just how good is Yan Jacek's chin? 
because I think Zhang is going to come out and try to blitz her. And so it depends if, if, if Yun Jiechi can take those shots, but more importantly, just avoid them. I think she can avoid them, but something's going to land at some point. And how's she gonna? How's her body gonna react to that? Now that that's the big question for me. But but damn, it's gonna be a heck of a fight. Even if it it doesn't go that long, they're gonna trade. But look for Yun Jaytek to continue to just be patient and, and stay. She's not a brawler, right? She doesn't get caught up in the moment. So even if yeah, uh, Wei Li Zhang or Zhang Wei Li wants to come out the way she did with Andrade, Yun Jaytek's not gonna play that game, and she won't ca get caught in that game. But eventually. She could get worn down if the punches are hard enough. That being said, what do you think? <laughs> oh my gosh, a lot to unpack. Uh, I, I'm with you on a lot of points. I think that for me, um, uh, every time I hear people talk about this fight, I get it. You watch uh, Zhang knock out Jessica Andrade, that's going to be like in the forefront of your mind. They've played it so many times. But I try to go back to my analysis of that fight before she got the knockout. And I think the biggest thing to remember is that she is super athletic and well-rounded. You watch her work on the ground when she fought Tisha Torres. You watch the, her um, versatility with the kicks. She's someone who's not afraid to spin and go for a lot of very, you know, just technically sound stuff. Similar to like Holly Holm, do the spins, do the switch. She's got that kind of arsenal and yes, um, athletically, she's very powerful. I do think she has more stopping power than she probably gets a lot of credit for. I think the Jessica Andrade knockout, you know, opened a lot of people's eyes that, you know, you do have to be weary. You can't just walk her down and, you know, take what, uh, that, um, that firepower uh, directly. You do have to be cautious of it. All of that is a very dangerous for Rose, sorry, for um, Joanna Yo and Jaychik. I think that... Um, Wei Li has a lot of qualities that helped Rose Namajunas out in getting those victories over Joanna. Um, that being said, Joanna is no slouch. And she's tough to take down. She's tough to keep down. And I think the biggest thing about it is that she is better than anybody at get it, getting in and out with the, um, her striking. She's good at, um, you know, starts with the hands, finishes with the punches. But if she gets going... That's what she does, gets in and out, in and out. She's not there for the counters, and she comes right back in like a yo-yo with three more shots. That's how she, you know, makes her living, and she's been very great at it, clearly. I think the thing about, you know, Zhang is that I see her being able to wear down Joanna early. I do think that she has the technical prowess. To, I'm not saying she's going to touch her on the chin, um, obviously, she would love to knock her out early, but I do see um, Wei Li start with the hands and just chop away at Joanna's legs. I think that um, even all the years of Muay Thai, I do think that's going to be a big key that Zhang is going to exploit is that, you know, she's not necessarily concerned with knocking her out early, but wearing her down. And I do believe that at the end of the day, Zhang believes she can take the, what Joanna is throwing. Plain and simple. Um, official prediction. I actually believe that Joanna is going to be able to avoid a lot of the setups of Zhang. It's going to be a tough fight. It's going to be a long fight. But I see her just executing a little bit better game plan and getting the job done. Unanimous decision. Yeah, I agree. I think I think Yen Jacek's gonna gonna get her belt back, and it's gonna be a unanimous decision. I'm with you on that. She will eat kicks, but she she'll throw some too. I mean, she she I just rewatched this fight, so it's fresh in my mind. She threw a lot of kicks at Michelle Waterson. Now Michelle Waterson was kind of just standing there, so it was easier. Whaley's not gonna be be so um, so stagnant, but. I think Yen Jacek has all the elements to be able to stay safe enough to touch Zhang without being touched too hard back. And uh, yeah, Joanna champion once again. All right, we're in accordance, but now we have one more blockbuster mega fight. Israel Adesanya taking on the soldier of God, Yoel Romero. 
Um, I, I'm done talking about the matchmaking and all that between this and uh, the Henry Cejudo stuff. Um, we have a great fight. Um, it comes together. <clears throat> My thing about the fight with um, Izzy and Yoel, on paper, yeah, I always say this when you break down a Yoel Romero fight. It should be simple. Take him into the deep water. He gets tired. That's it. He does have a lot of muscle. He does seem to slow down. And yet somehow he's always more dangerous late in the fight. He's got a bunch of stoppages late. He's come on and got a second win late a bunch of times in five-rounders. He's just... Conventional wisdom just doesn't seem to work when you're talking about fighting Yoel Romero. That being said, I've said since the beginning, I believe Israel Adesanya's ability to avoid, get into his spots to land perfect punches, is way ahead of everybody. I do believe it's a, ahead of Paulo Costa. I do believe it's ahead of Yoel Romero. Um, I believe in his ability, at the end of the day, use the hands, stay in his range, probably set up some kicks when he gets more comfortable. But at the end of the day, I just see Adesanya staying ahead of the power, not getting caught. This is... Style bender night all night. Tell me why I'm wrong if you want to. <laughs> I do not want to tell you that you're wrong because I agree with you. Yoel has his advantages that sort of like he lulls you into comfort, right? Because he just kind of stands there, stands there, and then he explodes with some kind of weird thing. He throws those thigh punches. He's super strong, super athletic, can wrestle for days. He does, you know suffer from a gas tank issue, but Adesanya is too switched on, I think, for Romero. He can see everything coming his way. He does that really cool, like, matrix um, evasion thing when you throw a kick or a, a punch. Like, he can really bend backwards, you know, style bender, right, and, um, and avoid shots. I think he's going to have Romero's number, Will he eat some? Yeah. But for the most part, I think he's going to be able to keep his distance and uh, and pot shot Romero. The size the size difference is, is vast enough that it should be, uh, say, easy, but relatively, you know, feasible to, to execute that plan consistently. I don't know if he can finish Romero. I actually... I'm not sure. This this is a tough one for me. I, I, I couldn't decide how it, how it would end. But but I think probably like round four. I think by that point, Romero will be tired enough and Adesanya is going to be able to land some power shots. I mean, watching the Whitaker fight, like he knocked him down at the end of round one, right? And so if you, if you, if you freeze in front of Adesanya for one second too long, he'll catch you. So if Romero does that... Uh, Probably by the time we get to round four, he's not going to be able to take the power, and, and that'll be the end of it. So I'm going TKO round four. Adesanya. I think... Uh, I, here's the thing about um, when you've got a guy like Israel Adesanya. I think that obviously he has to be feeling himself. Who wouldn't? After everything, his 2019 that he had. I think now it's kind of like, okay, you won the belt. You completed the mission. How hungry are you to really set the bar as a champion? I think that he's saying the right things. I think that for all the talk about the dance, the swag, and this and that, I think he's going to come out on fire. I think that he's going to get Romero in the third round. I think that he's going to break him down a bit. There's a reason Yol Romero hasn't gone away in X amount of fights. I think uh, Izzy is going to want to get it done a little quicker, though. I think he's only going to need within 15 to get the job done. Okay. All right. So we're on the same page. You just have different uh, end dates. We do, which means that we're going to have to get very creative with our, you know, off-the-air betting. (laughs) It's a lot more fun. All right, but guys, that's it for what we have for you. Next week, UFC Brasilia. Kevin Lee against Charles Oliveira, who, you know, don't look now, 
probably one of the best win streaks in the lightweight division that's not Tony Ferguson or Habib Nurmagomedov. Um, you know what, uh, Natalie, this is just a great fight. I think that um, when you talk about Kevin Lee, obviously, you know, his abilities speak for themselves, especially that knockout over Grigor Gillespie. That being said, at this point, what hasn't Charles Oliveira seen in the UFC? So I think that it just makes for a very high-level technical matchup, and I think that's going to be a lot of fun in Brazil. Yeah, dude, Kevin Lee looked amazing in his last fight. And, yeah, Charles Oliveira's been been in it for a long time, and he's fought everybody. So I expect to see a serious scrap. I think they're going to go back and forth hardcore. Right, it's going to be a good one. So, guys, we will have that for you. We will break down all of the action from UFC 248, so you're not going to want to miss that. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. Just spell out the word double. Natalie, where can the fans find you? I will be on Twitter at NatalieZamudio underscore and on Instagram at Rama. There you go, guys. Have a good one. We'll be back next week.